All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop audio shop for all things rocks and rocking out. A brief overview of this evening's episode will include the intros and hellos, followed by a new news. Our main discussion will dive into all things bath salts. No. No. Basalts. (laughs) (laughs) And between the bars of our main discussion, we present to you another Mineral Minute. And before signing off, we will close things off with another, just a regular That Freaking Rocks this week. (laughs) Um, So a big thank you to all of our listeners out there for allowing us to be played between your earballs each week and for spending your time with us each week. Man, I need to... Woo. Okay, so if you'd like to reach out for us, whether it be for episode ideas like this episode, nope. <laughs> Dude, so I copied and pasted. So, okay, so questions you're wanting, questions or answers you're just wanting. Answer? Yeah, questions. there you go. There you go. You can reach us at geologyotr at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at geology on the rocks podcast. So it looks like if things are squared away over here, and without further ado to all of you over there, I am your geology daddy, James the geologist. <laughs> And I'm your geology son, <laughs> Brian Packets. And this is Geology, geology on the Rocks. Rocks. All right. Hey, hey man. cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're on. Yeah. This is going to be our last drink from this bottle. It is. Oh, delicious. Our Dude, this third? is like some of the smoothest whiskey yeah, I've had. That's very good. What was it called again? Proper 12. If you, if you have not had that, I recommend yeah, it. Yeah. It's delicious. It is quite tasty and, like you said, smooth. I don't know. Bourbon. Bourbon makes me go like. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but I mean, this it, is. It, nice. it, it makes yeah. my insides like burn. Yeah. But yeah, man. So, hey, how's it been going? Uh, Good. Went off the mainland for a while. Yeah, you did? To Oahu. Oahu. Hopefully we'll talk about that in a bit. And then um, just working, band stuff. And then I leave for Colorado tomorrow. Yeah, I know, dude. You you have been busy. Yeah. Like, it just seems like dumb. you're always got stuff. And then, like, the week after that, or you get back and then you go mapping? Yeah, I get back on Sunday and then I head out to go map and do some geochem sampling. Cool. Where are you going for that? Or Canyon Lake area. Canyon Lake so, again? Hill Country. Dude, okay, so not one of these next times, like, I really want to go with you. I was talking to someone at my work, and I was like, man, I just, I need to go with you just as, like, I don't know, I'll be your, like, underling or something, just so <laughs> I can feel like I'm doing actual science, because yeah. I think I've taken a deep dive into, like, the, uh, I guess, more of the social sciences with this education oh, yeah. PhD. I wish you could come this time. I mean, it won't be, like, crazy this time around, but. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I have to give, like, my students uh, school, like, tests and mm. stuff, but. That's not been fun. Yeah, I'm just in the throes of reading all the time. And yeah. I do. I just feel like I'm I'm sinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with all your classes like that you are taking, plus the ones you're teaching. Yeah, and then imagine. committees oh, and yeah. all of that stuff that comes with work. But then, yeah, and then band. Yeah, it's been yeah, uh, busy y'all. for the band for the past couple of weeks. I feel like y'all have like had your takeoff now. Yeah, yeah. Like know? we're, we're, so. we finally are not so, we're not just like talking about doing shows You're and doing, doing things. We're yeah. doing things. So we'll get into that yeah, yeah. at the, uh, at the end with that friggin' rock. Yeah. So I guess we'll get into it. Let me pull this up. My new news story is, I think, <laughs> a little ridiculous, but uh, how else would we do it on Geology on the Rocks? <laughs> I feel like I, I took a page from your book, so... Um, yeah, yeah. This week, I present to you penis worms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so they're pretty hard <laughs> to find or, oh, or spy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these penis worms were... Um, they've done... It's just so ridiculous. Just, they're called penis worms for real, right? So they were... Scientists have been studying them and they were discovered that they were, in essence, the hermit crabs of their time. 
Okay. So in the the depths of the ancient seas, more than roughly 500 million years ago. So that takes us back, what, to the the Cambrian? Yeah. So there were these phallic-shaped creatures known as penis worms, and they commandeered the empty shells to protect themselves from predators. So there are these worms that found these shells, and they used it as a defense mechanism. (laughs) So behavior best known today as hermit crabs. So they they lived like hermit crabs, whereas um, revealed by analysis of fossils found in the Yunnan province in southern China that date back to the Cambrian period, right? So they thought that this kind of adaptation was <laughs> really came about in the Jurassic time period, so about 170 million years ago. But they've actually determined that it was by these penis worms, right? So yeah. how did they do that? When the worms existed, the, the world was a different place, right? So the continents were strung out along the equator and nothing much lived on the land except for sludge. They, they, they saw these things and they determined from the fossils that they actually had a thin shell between them, like on either mm. side. So I don't know. I just saw penis worms and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're choosing that. But so you can see this. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm even trying to say. I just saw penis worms. <laughs> I mean, the, and they're, I think they're still. Like, yeah, they they exist today. Yeah. 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 So they're not, they're not uh, an extinct. They just have been around since the Cambrian, like, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like so you said, would you call like, those living fossils? Right. I mean, in some ways. Yeah. It's, it's so, yeah, I guess. As yeah. long as they haven't. They're they old enough. Yeah. yeah. So what? So they're found in settings where it's hard for predators to get a foothold. So some are tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty, poor, poor guilty little guys. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a small penis worm, <laughs> but so yeah, some are tiny and live between individual sand grains. So they're really some of them are small, but that's just the way God made them. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> can't judge them too much. No, I mean <laughs> as long as they're you know they got the ocean and the motion, motion in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Nice, nice. Anyways, yeah. So episode thirty nine. Episode thirty nine. Yeah, and today kind of um, is kind of inspired by your trip off the mainland. So um, yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about basalts, kind of just the, the the generalness of them, and then we'll go into a little bit of your... Yeah, yeah, and we may get a little uh, a little deeper in, in the basalt stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but we get to nerd out a little bit, yeah, right? It, was, it, it makes me horny. My penis worm is going to go, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna go crazy. So, all right, so where, let's, 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 <laughs> yeah, the penis, penis worms. Here, cheers, my friend. Dude. Cheers. 39. One more. And we're at, I we're know. at 40. That's a, uh, what are we going to do for that one? Uh, we'll pick a nice bottle at least. But, yeah, for um, sure. We'll, we'll find a nice topic. And then for 50, we'll get, I'll get a nice bottle. For 50, we should go somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere episode cool. 50 for sure. But I think that would be this season's finale. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll maybe go to where that takes us. cigar shop. Well, I meant like somewhere, somewhere. Oh, like, like somewhere of geological interest. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I, let's see if we could put some feelers out to try to maybe do it in a cave. A cave would be cool. Um, or I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What, awesome. do you, what are you thinking? I was thinking, just, like, we could fly anywhere. This is true. This is we'll, true. We'll figure it out. Hey. Yeah. Well, let's do it like special. Maybe like, maybe, oh dude, I don't know if it would be even possible, but if we did it like on a glacier. That'd be cool. In Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got. Exit glacier, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because we still have, we owe that one. But I yeah. do, did you get the text that I sent you about the maybe. the magma, the movie? I saw, yeah, but I didn't click on it and I was like, what is this? Because it was like Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's magma. Yeah. yeah so we have to do another bad movie. Episode. Okay. Deal. Deal. Okay, so today we're going to talk about basalts and we get to uh, nerd out a little bit on our petrology. 
Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, where were we? Basalt. Definitions and characteristics. So, simply, we can think about basalt as an aphanitic, extrusive, igneous rock formed from the rapid cooling of low viscosity lava rich in magnesium <clears throat> and iron. So, we call those mafix. So, yeah. the MA being the magnesium, the 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 felsix, or the, yeah, thick. the iron thick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's ferrous. Yeah, like, yeah. right. So, exposed at or near the surface of the rocky planet or moon. Yeah, right. So nearly all 90, nearly 90% of all volcanic rock on earth is basalt. Right. And so it's, it's rapidly cooling. It's fine grained. It's chemically equivalent to the slow cooling coarse grained rock that we'd call a gabbro. A gabbro. Yeah. So or your the, black granite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, we've done an episode on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the eruption of basalt lava is observed by geologists around the world at about roughly what it's 20 or so volcanoes per year that they're erupting at any given time. <laughs> Sorry. We're good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I spill it on my laptop and you and spill I, it down yeah. your throat. So basalt's also an important rock type on other planetary bo- bodies, which we'll get to here in a few minutes. But for example, the bulk of the plains of Venus, they cover about 80% of the surface. They're basaltic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So along with the lunar Maria and plains mm. of blood basaltic lava flows on the moons. <laughs> It had to be that. Well, okay, so we can further classify the molten basalt lava based on its low viscosity. It's due in part to its relatively low silica. And that's what the roughly around 45 to 50 ish percent. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And so it results in this rapidly moving or it can result in rapidly moving lava flows that can spread over great areas before cooling or solidifying. And basaltic magmas within Earth are thought to originate from the upper portions of the mantle. The chemistry of the basalts, they provide um, valuable clues into the conditions deep within the earth. Yeah, so it allows us kind of chemically to not yeah. just like with, yeah, but that's, that's I think that's most excellent. And then I guess let's dive deep into the dark side of the basalt world. Into the basalts we go. Yes. So the word basalt, it's actually derived from late Latin basaltus. I don't know, basaltes, <laughs> but it's a misspelling of Latin bassanite, which actually means very hard stone. Yeah. It's derived from ancient Greek bassanites from the word basanos that describe touchstones. So I feel like I'm going to be your color analyst tonight. So I'm going to give you fun facts. So okay. fun facts about touchstones, right? So it's yeah, from that, that word. So right. So they were used during the Harappa period in the Indus Valley civilization, mm. circa 2600 to 19 BC. And it, they actually used it for testing the purities of soft metals. So it, which they also used in ancient Greek where the word comes from. So the, the touchstones allowed anyone to easily and quickly determine the purity of metal samples. So uh-huh. I don't know if anyone cares about that. This is what led to the widespread adoption of the gold standard exchange. Uh, so, right. So it was a way to prevent people from mixing it with less pure metals and you could test it based on these basalts. So hmm. for your histories, hashtag. Maybe the crystal shops should do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I have more fun facts for you that uh, okay, okay. we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. The modern petrological term basalt describing a particular composition of lava derived rock. It originates from use by Georgius Agricola in 14. 14- 
1546. Yeah, a long time in, ago. <laughs> yeah, in his work De Natura Fossilium. Yeah, so again, I have some more fun facts. Oh so so the, the the book De Natura Fossilium was was the, the scientific attempt to categorize minerals, mm. rocks, and sediments since it was the first of its kind since Pliny's ah, natural history. Good old Pliny. So yeah, that's why Agricola applied basalt to the volcanic black rock between the Bishop of Meissen Stolpen Castle. Stolpen yeah, Castle. Stolpen. Believing it's basically the same as the Bassanitan described by Pliny, the elder in AD 77 in his Naturalist History. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory oh, about yeah, that. So, yeah. <laughs> in Pliny's, one of his last two books, uh, what he attempted to do is describe the different minerals and gemstones building mm. on works by Theoprastus and other authors. So the, the the topic really concentrates on the most valuable gemstones, and he had a problem with that and criticized the obsession with luxury products, such yeah. as engraved gems and whatnot. Mm. But he provided a thorough discussion of the properties of fluorospar, noting that it's carved into vases and other decorative objects. So he made some of the first accounts of magnetism, right, which includes the myth of Nat Magnus the, the shepherd. And he also writes about crystallography and mineralogy, wow. describing the octahedral shape of the diamond and recording the diamond dust is used by gem engravers to cut and polish other gems owing to its hardness. So I bring that into it just to make our mineralogy penis worms a little happy. <laughs> yeah. So he brings up the problem of fraud and the detection of false gems using several tests, including the scratch test, where counterfeiting gems can be marked by a steel file. And and uh, the genuine's not, genuine, you know, gems not being scratched. <laughs> so perhaps it refers to glass imitations, what you were just talking yeah. to, of jewelry gemstones. And he refers to using one hard mineral to scratch another, which, if that sounds familiar, it comes yeah. the, the presaging of the Mohs hardness scale. Oh, I thought you were going to say like penis worm battles. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's more like sword fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ching. Sorry. That's like, yeah. Okay. Well, we can do that later. Okay. So, but anyways, <laughs> I digress. Continue Lord Baggins of the Geology so, Shire. Yeah, but that just reminds me of I really like Pliny. Like, yeah, what a, what a what a awesome person. He also yeah. does awesome guitar these days, Pliny. Oh yeah, yeah. With an eye, yeah. Not with an eye. And there's a beer named after him that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, so for geologists, we classify igneous rocks by its mineral content whenever possible. I don't know when it's not. <laughs> yeah, you know that's with the relative volume percentages of quartz, alkali, feldspar, plagioclase, and if there's feldspathoid present. Yeah, so right, so that's the basis of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the QAPF. No. Yep, yep. <laughs> the QAPF diagram. Yep. <laughs> not, like a, I'm not a deal <laughs> to hear that the same. Okay. <laughs> so that's, yeah. And that's a particular importance as such like an ign ign igneous rock <laughs> is classified as basalt when it's <laughs> fraction <laughs> is composed of less than 10% feldspathoid and less than 20% quartz. And then you got plagioclase making up at least 65% of its feldspar content. Right, so, you are. I'm just going to yeah, agree with you. Yeah, which which I thought was strange that all, that much alkali feldspar could make up, that like you could have 35% in a basalt. You know that, but it's just hard to think of. Sometimes. Yeah. But you do have, we'll talk about, I think, alkali basalts and stuff. Yeah. yeah so, um, but yeah, it's not often practical to determine the mineral composition of volcanic rocks, mainly because they're aphanitic, which means very fine grained. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh no, what are we to do <laughs> if you're a geologist and you see fine grained rocks? Yeah. So we need to classify them chemically 
And so that's going to be the total content of alkali metal oxides and silica, which will be the TAS, 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 <laughs> the TAS diagrams and analysis. And there, those are particularly important, right? And then the I think the the basalt is then chemically defined as volcanic rock with the with a content of forty five percent to fifty percent to fifty two percent silica mm-hmm. and not more than five percent alkali metal oxides. Mm-hmm. If we were to plot that, that it, it places the basalts in the B field of the of the task diagram and these compositions they're really described as mafic yeah unweathered so basalt will usually be dark gray to black in color and that's going to be mainly that high content of augite or or other dark colored pyroxene minerals usually a clinopyroxene but it can also exist i don't know is orthopyroxene in there augite's a yeah it can have it definitely has it but clinopyroxene would be yeah. dominant but it can exhibit a wide range of shading yeah quite surprisingly i still kind of it always i'm like i oh, know it's andesite but some basalts are are quite light colored due to the high content of plagioclase yeah. and these are sometimes described as luso basalts yeah and in luco or luso however you want to say it yeah uh just means light yeah uh, so you can have luco granites which are like all plaged yeah you know it's like maybe a tonalite looking uh, yeah i don't know whatever but the lighter basalt it can be difficult to distinguish from andesite yeah as you just said but basically a common rule of thumb used in field geology is that a basalt has a color index of roughly 35 or greater so that's so much good information so like yeah i always have to remind myself looking at it to just be like oh, you, it could be it could be but i think yeah. really the but with the andesite and di- I don't know it's it's it, it takes a trained eye I think but anyways so but some physical properties basalt reflects its relatively low silica content and typically high iron and magnesium content so not surprising what this is going to do is that it's going to affect the density giving it an average density of 2.9 to 3 grams per cubic centimeter mm-hmm. whereas we have like the um, you know the density of granites being 2.7 so that's really where we yeah. get the setup of really that allows for that subduction for when we get into plate tectonics but we don't we've talked about that right so it, yeah yeah and, and like that shows like the deficiency of quartz is being replaced by heavier minerals like your clinopyroxene so yeah um, but it's not just being but like they're well, able just, they're able to yeah. crystallize it a lot higher yeah, temperatures just in the like the density difference right, the, right 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 yeah but we should keep in mind too that the viscosity of basaltic magma is relatively low so 104 to 105 millipascals per second. Right. Although it's still many orders of magnitude higher than water. So yeah. we have that as like one millipascal. Could you second. imagine lava flowing like water? We'd all be dead. Dead. No, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, yeah. yes. So imagine Heinz 57 ketchup flowing out of that glass bottle where you have to tap that 57. Yeah. Where it's kind of just like slowly. That's kind of akin to the viscosity of what a basaltic magma would be. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like thick, but it's a um, lot hotter and yeah. less delicious. So you brought up the tapping the 57. Yeah. What is that? What do you... The, on the glass bottle? Yeah. So when you invert it, you put it like 45 degrees. Like, so you know how it has that, that Heinz 57 yeah. on the bottle? So if you tilt it and you hit it on that 57, it kind of oh, makes it I didn't come know out. That. So you, you don't just shake it. You hit that 57 and it kind of just like flows wow. out. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Something I did not know. Well, the yeah. more you know. Yeah. I, I'm, I told you, I have, you have, I have all the fun facts. Things. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh... Back to, like, I don't know stuff about everyday life, but I guess I know stuff about basalts. So. You know all the things about basalts. <laughs> all right. Well, so basalt, it is often porphyritic. Right. So we'll just define that. It, it's larger crystals in a finer grain mass. We call those phenocrysts. Yeah, so those are the grains, the yeah, larger the larger crystals. grains. Yeah, they're formed prior to the extrusion that brought the magma to the surface. And these crystals then, as I, I mentioned, they're set in this fine grain matrix of the aphanitic portion of the rock. Correct. The phenocrysts are usually of 
Augite. You can have olivine or your more mafic version of plagioclase, which will be your calcium rich, which is your an- anorthite. Yeah. Uh, or labradorite. But you don't usually see it as labradorite. Yeah. I mean, you like bitonite to labradorite. I don't know those. Just call it the, the cal plat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cal. Yeah, yeah. Cal heavy plaid. <laughs> yeah, the carplag. The carplag. <laughs> yeah. So that those have the highest melting temperatures of the typical minerals that can crystallize from melt. They're therefore, you know, the first to form solid crystals. Yeah. So speaking of basalt porphyry, or is it a porphyritic basalt? Do, uh, so do I know there is a distinction between the two, isn't mm-hmm. there? But anyways, so I I have a sample from the volcanoes erupting in Iceland right now. So it's fog lulls. Well, I have it right. What? What? And you have it here? Yeah. I don't know what happened to it. Oh, there it is. I wish y'all could watch us do this. Yeah. So maybe we'll post pictures of this. So this is from Frog. Frog. Fagradsvjall. Fagradsvjall. <laughs> I'm not attempting to say any Volcanic. more But so, stuff. yeah. So this, it started, the one that started erupting in March. You oh, know, the no, one. The one that I said. Fagradsvjall. Yeah. I really messed it up. Yeah. So, yeah. So it does. It's, uh, so I would like to say a big thank you to Kathy Pham. She's in my cohort. I found out that she was on her honeymoon and she was in class and she's like, yeah, we're going to Iceland. And I'm like, please, 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 please get me yeah, a rock. For real. I mean, because I didn't know she was actually going to the one and she was saying that they have to, before they went, they had to test for the, I guess the gases before they, okay. they went. Yeah. But yeah, so this is, so I think when we looked at it and kind of looked over, it's may not, it, it might be porphyritic, but it might be, what did you say it was? So zeolites, zeolites. form in the vesicles yeah. after. And then I also yeah. know that it sometimes they do pick up rocks from the base yeah. as and they're coming re-melt. up and yeah. so that's what could be but it it because it doesn't have distinctive plagioclase kind of phenocrystal yeah. but it, i mean to me it looks like little quartz things but yeah the fact that they're not really prismatic tabular yeah in it we don't see twinning not at really, all so. but i also don't see any distinct like cleavage planes yeah there is one grain that it looked like that oh look <laughs> anyways yeah. We're playing with my hand lens. Yeah. Y'all can't see this. <laughs> it, this okay. it, us looking at rocks makes for great audio. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Imagine what you will. But yeah. And okay. penis worms. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so thank you again. Yeah. And not to keep throwing us off too much, but it was totally relevant. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. So basalt, it'll, like I mentioned, it'll often contain vesicles and they're formed when dissolved gases bubble out of the magma as it'll decompress during its approach to the surface. So the erupted lava then will solidify before the gases can escape. So vesicles, when they make up a substantial fraction of the volume of the rock, that rock will then be called scoria. Correct. Which you'll see in all your fire pits if you go to any bougie, lame-ass yeah. brunch place. And they're used like the, the <laughs> red uh, garden yeah, rocks. There's, there's everywhere. To complicate things, the simple term basalt is at times applied to those shallow, intrusive rocks with a compositional typical of basalt. But the rocks of this composition with a phaneritic coarser ground mass are more properly referred to as a diabase. So it's also yeah. called dolerite. And is, yeah. or when more coarse grained or when we think coarse grain, it's again the the euhedral, right? Is that what the, the crystals they're over two millimeters across? Mm-hmm. And that's known as gabbro. So diabase and gabbros are thus the hyperbasal and plutonic equivalents of these basalts. Yeah. I always thought hypabyssal was one of the coolest words. We have a very famous hypabyssal rock in Texas and it's 
called Yonite or Lonite. Yeah, that, that yeah. Yano granite. Yeah, and it's got really nice blue quartz. Blue quartz. Yeah. And that blows my, cool. I love seeing yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go back to Mafic stuff instead of like belligering everybody with silica <laughs> high stuff. Uh, but so during the Hadean, Archean, and early Proterozoic aeons of Earth's history, we see that the chemistry of erupted magmas, it was a lot different than today. This probably is due to the immaturity of crustal and asthenosphere differentiation, and it led to classifying the ultramafic rocks that have silica contents below 45% and giving them the name comatiites. Is that how you say that word? Yeah. I always say like comatites, but it's comatia. I see the double I. Yeah, and, and they got a really nice spinifex texture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's really cool. See, look at you. I love it when you just get nerdy with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on Earth, so now we're going to talk about planetary bodies. So on Earth, most basalt magmas form by decompression melting of the mantle. The high pressure in the upper mantle, right, which is due to the weight of the overlying rock, actually is going to raise the melting point of mantle rock mm. so that almost all of the upper mantle is solid. Yeah, however we know the mantle is ductile. Yeah, and, and ductile just meaning that it's simply that a solid rock will slowly deform under these high stresses. Yeah. yeah, and where the tectonic forces cause the hot mantle rock to creep upwards, the decrease of the pressure on the ascending rock, it can cause cause the melting point to drop enough for that rock to partially melt. And then voila, you have basaltic magma. You said that right. Most people say viola. Oh God. Voila. Well, I mean, there is a viola. Yeah. Like <laughs> viola. Which is a very beautiful sounding instrument. But when yeah. it's that way, yeah. <laughs> viola. Viola. <laughs> viola. That's the, the sax in your lungs, right? The aviola. Anyways, so <laughs> it should be noted that decompression melting can occur in a variety of tectonic settings, right? So it's important to keep these in mind. So these include uh, continental rift zones at mid-ocean ridges above hot spots, which, um, <clears throat> no. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> and in back arc basins. <laughs> nice. The salt's also produced in subduction zones. So where the mantle rock rises into a mantle wedge. Mantle? Mantle. Um <laughs> Above that descending slab, right? Yeah. So the decompression causes melting in this regime. It's enhanced by the furthering, further lowering of the melting point by water vapor and other volatiles released from the slab. Yeah. So that's that partial melting. Or do yeah. they call that one flux melting whenever it's at the subduction zone? I don't know. I know that's partial melting. It's not, it's a little, it's different from decompression melting. Yeah. Where you get like that huge volumous outpourings Just, that... Yeah. yeah. So yeah, each of these are going to these settings are actually going to produce produce basalt with distinctive characteristics that we can touch on mm. here. So yeah. Well, so first we'll have the tholeitic basalts, and that's relatively rich in iron, but poor in alkali metals and oh. alumina. Aluminium. I don't know what that. I noise just was. said alumina because I don't. What is that noise? Is it mine? I don't know. No. So, yeah, included in this category are the most basalts of what we can think of as the ocean floor. So most large oceanic islands and continental flood basalts, such as the Columbia River Plateau. Yeah, and they're, they have high and low titanium basalts. So the basalt rocks in some cases can be classified after their titanium content. Um, yeah. In, tie? In the high tie and low tie varieties. <laughs> high tie and low tie basalts, they've been distinguished from the Piranha and Etendeka traps in the Amishian traps. I can't even imagine what the listeners are like when we're just like, yeah, like the tie, high tie. Tie tie. And low tie. Low tie. <laughs> oh, it's affected by the moan, bro. 
<laughs> so a Mid-Ocean Ridge basalts are mobs. <laughs> are thoroughly oh idiot basalts. Commonly erupted. Yes. Only at your ocean. What am I <laughs> I'm trying like a British surfer. You're <laughs> a Hawaiian. You're an American that moved to Hawaii. That, yeah. <laughs> so commonly erupted. Okay. <laughs> so only at your ocean ridges and characteristically low in incompatible elements. Although all morbs, so those mid-ocean ridge basalts, are chemically similar, the geologists, we recognize that they vary significantly in how depleted they are in those yeah. com- incompatible elements. I love when you say the word depleted. Oh, yeah. It just reminds me of petrology so much. Okay. Because we were so heavy on morb stuff. Did, or maybe I'm thinking of another class. No, no, okay. no, no, no. So it yeah. was like the, the morbs and the OIBs. It. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. The morbs, Ternary. their oh. presence in, in close proximity along the mid-ocean ridges, it's interpreted as evidence for mantle in home... home oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Homogeneity. <Yeah>. Okay. <clears throat> to distinguish... Bef- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Between them, we have the e-morb, or the enriched morb, yeah. it's relatively undepleted in incompatible elements. I really wish we could show everyone, because I, I have a hand motion for that <laughs> that chart right yeah. or the graph that shows that depletion, but these aren't. The e-morb, it was once thought to be typical of hotspots along the mid-ocean ridges, such as Iceland, but it's now known to be present in many locations along the mid-ocean ridges. Yeah, and then next we have the morb... <laughs> <laughs> the nomorbs, <laughs> the, the end morbs or normal uh, mid-ocean ridge basalt. Yeah. And that is, it's uh, the average in its content of the incompatible elements. <laughs> and lastly, we have the demorbs. Demorbs. <laughs> demorbs. Oh, God. These guys suck and they're depleted. Yeah. Yeah. In, in those incompatible elements. Right, right. And then rocks in the tholeitic magma series can be classified as subalkaline yeah. if they contain less sodium than some of, you know, the other basalts, if you will. And are distinct. Distinguished from rocks in the calc alkaline magma series and then <laughs> and by the redox state of the magma, they recrystallize. <laughs> okay. And are distinguished from rocks in the calc alkaline magma series by the redox state of the magma they crystallize from. So that is that the, the tholeitic magmas are reduced. The calc alkaline magmas are oxidized. Man, <laughs> I went full petrology nerd. There. I, I love it. Nerd me all you want. (laughs) (laughs) With pleasure. But first, I need you to uh, nerd me now, though. Okay, okay. So when the parent magmas of basalts crystallize, they they preferentially crystallize the more magnesium-rich, iron-poor forms of the silicate minerals, olivine and pyroxene. So that causes the iron content of the leotic magmas to increase as the melts depleted of iron-poor crystals. Correct. However, a calc alkaline magma, it's oxidized enough to precipitate significant amounts of the iron Uh. oxide. Magnetite, and it causes the iron content of the magma to remain more steady as it cools than you would with a tholeitic magma. God, that's sexy. Yeah. So if you've been following along, the difference between these these two (laughs) magma series can be seen on an AFM diagram, a Mm. ternary diagram showing the relative proportions of the oxides of the Na2O plus the K2OA and the FeO plus Fe2O3F and then the MgOM as so as the magma 
magma is cool, they precipitate out significantly more iron and magnesium than alkali, causing the magmas to move towards the alkali corner as they cool. It's getting pretty hot in here. I <laughs> need to open the yeah. windows. Yeah. Well, in the tholeitic magma, magnesium-rich crystals, they're produced preferentially. The magnesium content of the magma then plummets and it'll cause magma to move away from the magnesium corner of our little diagram, right? Yeah. Until it runs low on magnesium and simply moves to the alkali corner as it loses iron and any remaining magnesium. Yeah, yeah. And then really, so with the, the calc alkaline series, however, the, the precipitation of the magnetite causes the iron magnesium ratio to actually remain relatively constant. So that way that the really the magma moves in a straight line towards the alkali corner of that AFM diagram. <laughs> yeah. And the AFM plot, it, it distinguishes the intermediate members of the tholeitic and calc alkali magma series really well. But the felsic end members of the two series, they're nearly indistinguishable. So granitic rocks are generally assigned to the calc alkali Ooh. magma series. Hey, they 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 always bring the pretty minerals. I know. Yeah. I'm just kidding, but this yeah. is so you're, you're so plenty right now. I know, plenty, but this is plenty. like a, a very under talked about. I don't think people give the the mafix enough. No, credit. they don't because it's like oh, black rock. Oh, black yeah, rock it's just it. the ocean. But the ultra mafix are where it's at. Yeah, Anyways, right. yeah. So I was saying, like, yeah, the granitic rocks they usually are the calc alkali magma <laughs> series. The mafic end members they excuse me they may be distinguished by the alumina content and then the tholeitic basalts. They contain like twelve to sixteen percent alumina versus the sixteen percent alumina for the calc alkali basalts. I told you we had a lot on the basalts. <laughs> I know we're yeah. still in the tholeites. Oh tholeitic. God! So a little geologic context. So tholeitic uh, rocks are most common igneous rocks in Earth's crust. And they produced by submarine volcanism at mid-ocean ridges and make up much of the ocean's crust. So therefore, the, the, the tholeitic basaltic magmas are initially generated as partial melts of peridotite. So the olivine and peroxines, which you're just talking about, the ultramavix, produced by the decompression melting of the Earth's mantle, which we talked about. Yeah, and so the tholeitic basalt constituting the ocean crust is termed morb. Mid-ocean ridge basalts, like we talked about, throughout the process of the, the igneous differentiation, the oceanic crust acts to reduce the magma producing that tholeitic trend. Yeah. But in con contrast, the alkali basalts, they're not typical of ocean ridges, but they're erupted on some ocean islands like Hawaii and on continents. And it's also tholeitic. But the moon, the, um, moon. the moon, it's extremely reduced and all its basalts are tholeitic. So reduction. Alkali basalts. All right. Man. Let's go there. So we had tholeitic. Now we have alkali basalts, right? So yeah. alkali basalt is relatively rich in alkali metals and it is silica undersaturated mm -hmm. and may contain feldspathoids, alkali feldspars, phlogopite, oh, and chirosite, chirosutite. Kerosutite. Kerosutite. So augite or augite in alkali basalts is titanium enriched augite mm -hmm. and low calcium pyroxenes are absolutely never present. We'll keep that Not in mind. Allowed. So they are characteristic of continental rifting and hotspot hmm. volcanism. Yeah. The high alumina basalt, it's greater than 17% alumina and it's intermediate in composition between a tholeitic basalt and an alkali basalt. It's relatively alumina rich based on rocks without phenocryst of plagioclase. And they represent the low silica end of the calc alkaline magma series and they're characteristic of volcanic arcs below, I'm sorry, above <laughs> subduction zones. That's kind of a, so yeah, this, was, I'm, I'm going to throw the <laughs> 
this is going to be completely irrelevant, but so like a word I don't like, but I was using it, but we use it for like, uh, I guess, depositional portions of the beaches, not the erosional Tom below's. Oh God. Yeah. But I was like, that's a little bit different from Tom above. Oh, I know. I, I do hate that word. Dude. Tom below. But it's different from the Tom above. Oh, <laughs> anyways, I did. <laughs> That's <laughs> not like me like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the top goes away and you don't have that, oh that, my that God. deposition connecting the islands. Ladies and gentlemen, James <laughs> the geologist. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Bonanite is a high magnesium form of basalt that is erupted generally in back arc basins. So distinguished by its low titanium content and trace element compositions. So then um, the ocean island basalts include both tholeites and alkali basalts just to confuse things, right? You can't ever have it just one way or the other. With the tholeites, they predominate early in the eruptive history of the island. And then these basalts are characterized by the elevated concentrations of the incompatible elements. So this suggests that their sources are mantle rock that have produced mm -hmm. little magma in the past. And it's really, I guess, under depleted. Yeah. Alkali basalts, it's going to be chemically classified in that same region B we talked about earlier. B -b 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 um, yeah. <laughs> of that total alkali versus silica, the, the Toss diagram, and it contains Nephilim in the CIPW norm. Basalts that don't contain normative Nephilim, they're characterized as subalkali basalts, which include the tholeitic and calcalkaline basalts. Yeah, and then the ground mass of the alkali basalt is mainly composed of olivine, the, the titanium-rich augite, and the plagioclase feldspars. It may have alkali feldspars or feldspathoids interstitially, but is poor in silica minerals such as the hypersthene and mm. quartz. Interesting. That, that's that's what you are. Why, why you oh no, you love sphene. <laughs> yeah, no, hypersthene is the um, like it's it's the uh, like instatite almost equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But phenocrysts, they're ubiquitous in alkali basalt. And similarly to the ground mass, they're usually made up of olivine, titanium rich augite, but they can have plagioclase and then some iron oxides with lower frequency. The FEO shorts. Man, that's iron. That's a, the, the toy company, FEO. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway. So uh, <laughs> alkali basalts can be found in areas associated. You never look at that story short. Yeah. Story short again. Toy store, FEO, iron oxides. So the alkali basalt salts can be found in areas associated with volcanic activities such as your oceanic islands as Hawaii, Madeira, St. Helena, which is a, a British possession I was came to find out. It's not Mount St. Helena. Mm. But anyways, and then Ascension and continental rifts and volcanic fields. Yeah. Continental alkali basalts, they can be found virtually in any continent. Yeah. But we also have some prominent examples being the Rio Grande Rift. And we actually USA. mapped those basalt flows. We certainly did. We certainly yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the East African Rift and the Poli-Ike Volcanic Field. Maybe that's what we should do. We should go back to New Mexico and look I at... I really... Now. Now that this all makes... Like, reading this, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. But, but even just general geologic knowledge has been greatly improved for both you and I. It'd yeah, nice no, maybe that's where we should do our 50th episode. I'm down. And go to, what, that Harding Mine? Harding Mine would be great. Um, and then we go back up and go... I would like to go to go, the Pickeries. And just go get some more of that Kyanite and... Yeah, that's up in the Pickeries. Though. Yeah. I, I would like to go back. Okay. Let's do it. Let's look into it. Okay. But yeah. So, but, yeah, but what's weird is just... I just... Before we move on a little bit further, but like how 
you know, I, I just remember sitting in, uh, cause I thought it was really cool how, uh, Dr. Basu, how he, he ended mineralogy, knowing that I guess we're going into petrology and he ended it with kind of those ternary diagrams that yeah. went straight into all of this. And I just remember being like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. And then just all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. It's just, you look at it enough and you're just like, okay. It clicks. Yeah. You do have to look at it enough. Yeah. And then, but you have to think of it on like, where is it at too? Like what's yeah. going on with the, the mantle and all that stuff. But yeah. So yeah, that was always the problem with the diagrams is unless there's like a really extensive graphic showing us just a, a location or, you know, a geologic history of what happened. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. Like the context. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Context. I could have said one word. <laughs> context <laughs> is key. Yeah. So yeah. So then um, I guess let's go. So the basalts on earth are the most common volcanic rock on mm. earth. We've talked about that making up 90% of all the volcanic rocks. I feel like, am I reading this again? So the, the, the crustal <laughs> portions of the oceanic tectonic plates are comprised predominantly of basalt. And that would make sense with it being the, the viscous, the viscosity, right? The livid blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it's produced by, from upwelling of the mantle below ocean ridges. Yeah. So even though it, you know, it's the principal volcanic rock in many ocean islands, it's also the most typical of large igneous provinces. Oh man. I love huge igneous <laughs> provinces. If you know what I mean, Brian. I, I do. Uh, yeah. So these include continental rift flood basalts, the most vol voluminous, <laughs> voluminous, voluminous, voluminous. So yeah, they're the most voluminous. voluminous. I feel like I should be in a Pantene Pro V commercial. <laughs> Commercial saying that hey, word. The, so they're the most Pantene Pro V basalts found <laughs> on land. Examples of the continental flood basalts included the Deccan traps in uh, India. Yeah. So the the Chilcotin mm -hmm. what? <laughs> the Chilcotin group in British Columbia, Canada, and the Parana traps in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And then what is going on with my accents today? And then the Siberian <laughs> traps in Russia, the Karoo flood basalt provinces in South Africa, and then I think of the Columbia River uh, Plateau of Washington and Oregon. Yeah. It's basalt's also common around the volcanic arcs, so especially those with the thin crust. Ancient Precambrian basalts, they're usually only found in fold and thrust belts, and they're heavily metamorphosed. I wonder um, if they have penis worms in I the wonder. fold and thrust. Probably. Belts. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Cool. We would call these greenstone belts. That's low-grade metamorphism basalt. It has that chlorite, actinolite, epidote, and who knows what other green minerals. God, Jesus. God, <laughs> I have nightmares about it. So they don't understand, like, so when I talk about, like, all the and then like pyroxenes. I, I try to tell my students, I'm like, there's the, the fucking green minerals. Like you don't, under, they're like, I don't get it. Like they're all like fluorite's pretty. And I'm like, no, no, no like the, the dark, the dark minerals. They're yeah. the devil when doing uh, modal percentages. They're hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, They're harder than the penis worms. Yeah. So as well as forming large parts of Earth's crust, basalt also occurs in other parts of our solar system. So mm. this is just a little fun, um, uh, I guess, lighter portion. So basalt commonly erupts on Io, the third largest moon of Jupiter, and has also formed on the moon, Mars, Venus, and the asteroid Vesta. Then there is the moon. The moon. Yeah, so the dark areas visible on the on the moon, the Earth's moon, which the lunar Maria, they're the plains of these flood basalts. And these rocks, they're sampled by the uh, American Apollo program. Yeah. And so also the robotic Russian Luna program, and they're represented along the among the lunar meteorites. So lunar basalts, they're going to be a little different to their Earth counterparts, principally in that they have high iron contents. You typically see a range of 17 to 22 per, uh, weight percent uh, iron oxide. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So 
<laughs> they also have a wide range of titanium concentrations. Um, you'll see this in ilmenite, and that'll range from less than one weight percent titanium oxide to um, about 13 weight percent. Yeah. So all I think of in the FEA shorts is uh, I think of Home Alone. And I yeah. think of the movie Big with Tom Hanks, like the. Mm. Yeah, so traditionally the lunar basalts have been classified according to their titanium content with the classes being named high tie, low tie, and very low tie. Right, so we've talked about this with the tholeites, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're just bringing it back. Right, so then nevertheless, global geochemical maps of titanium obtained from the Clementine mission demonstrated that the lunar Maria possesses a continuum of titanium. That's going to be like my album name, a continuum of titanium concentrations. And then, yeah, that, 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 that the highest concentrations are the actually going to be the least abundant. Yeah, and the lunar basalts, they show exotic textures and mineralogy. Um, so you'll see shock metamorphism and a lack of oxidation typical of the terrestrial basalts. And then they have a complete lack of hydration. Most of the basalts, the moons basalts, they erupted uh, about three to 3.5 billion years ago, but the oldest samples are 4.2 billion years old. Then the youngest, (laughs) on age dating uh, methods of crater counting, which sounds ridiculous, um, are estimated to be erupted only 1.2 billion years ago. I told you I'm surprised. You do have a surprise. Well, I I have a poem. (laughs) If you don't mind speaking of Venus. from Venus because girls have vaginas and guys have penises. is the penises. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just, okay. Okay. I think that was, um, yeah. 
So before we go any further, I say we help fund our future beach cleanup, which is still in the works for the, the fall yeah. with a little sponsor, which to date, uh, I told you we'd keep uh, everyone honest with that. So since we've activated the sponsors, we've earned a whopping $52.50 <laughs> plus the 500. We're up yeah. to $552.50. Awesome. But $52.50 comes from the, the sponsors. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for bearing through our little 30 yeah. second commercial. Uh, so without further ado... <clears throat> And then that leads us into a little bit of minerals. <laughs> Mineral minutes. Mineral. Mineral. Mineral minutes. Minerals. Minerals. And this week's Mineral Minute is brought to you by the Uranus silicate that exhibits a hydroxyl substitution coffinite coffinite's chemical formula is usio4nh2o coffinite is actually part of the zircon group that uh oh, that yeah, you should yeah, be yeah. interested in mr baggins so as it really it has a com uh, a comparison to the x-ray powder pattern of zircon so that zrsio4 and actually thorite which is the the thorium yeah. silica oxide whatever the oa the o4 <laughs> was and that's how they really came up with the basis of the the classification for this mineral Coffinite is isostructural or with the orthosilicates zircon and thorite and has a hardness of five to six, which is a little weak, I'm going to say. For, yeah. yeah. Uh, and fractures unevenly unevenly and uh, subconchoidally. Yeah. So coffinite is black in color with an adamantine luster. Mm. Fun fact, for coffinite, a large percentage of Earth's uranium supply is contained in coffinite deposits, which uh, is significant because uranium's use in nuclear energy. Sedimentary deposits contain the most radioactive samples and it's evidenced by the intensely radioactive coffinite found in the Colorado Plateau. And then coffinite is metastable compared to uranite and quartz. Thus, formation of coffinite requires a uranium source in reducing conditions as evidenced by the associated presence of low valence vanadium minerals. <clears throat> coffinite occurs naturally with <laughs> U4 positive, 4 plus cations. The UO8 triangular dodecahedra coordinate with edge sharing, alternating SiO4 tetrahedra. Hey, time out. Is that the, isn't that your favorite artist? Oh God, edge sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I just saw that. I didn't know. Uh, yep. Edge sharing. Yep. Oh okay. God. Yeah. Alternating uh, silicate tetrahedra in chains along the C-axis. The central uranium site of coffinite surrounded by eight SiO4 tetrahedra. The lattice dimensions of naturally occurring synthetic <laughs> coffinite are similar with a naturally occurring current sample from Arrowhead Mine, Mesa County, Colorado, having a A equals <laughs> 6.93kx, he equals 6.3kx, and a sample synthesized by Hoekstra and Fox. <laughs> Having A equals 6.977kx and C equals 6.307kx. explain what that means. I'm not going to. So coffinite is named for, it's actually named for American geologist Reuben Claire Coffin, uh, who uh, from 1886 to 1972. And then a fun fact about Reuben Claire Coffin is early and active um, interest in geophysical methods was rewarded in the discovery of the Hobbes field mm. in New Mexico, located after a wide regional magnum 
thermometer uh, survey. Maybe there's more to you than yeah. You know. I'm yeah. named after a uh, yeah a field yeah in New Mexico or the other way around. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for next week's mineral uranocircite. Is that circite? I don't know. I don't Sounds know. good. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me such tired minutes. <laughs> okay, okay. Man, dude, that was, I should have just left that poem to the end because that nice. was great. Dude, as soon as I remembered, yeah, I told you how to get, I didn't, yeah, it was a lot funnier yeah. leading up to it, yeah. Okay, so um, back to why we started this episode. So you went on a little trip since we last saw each other, and right, so it kind of spawned this whole idea, so. Yeah, yeah, so I went to Hawaii, and I figured we could do a section on uh, Oahu, Hawaii, which is the most populated island. And I returned from there. Basically, I was blown away by observations, both from just natural beauty, but like that standpoint, but from a, a purposefully naive experience as I researched nothing about the geology before I went on the trip. Sometimes I feel like that's just kind of cheating, you know? Well, it does, but I, I but I, I think we've had this conversation too, is like sometimes when I, like, I know how mountains form. Yeah. But seeing the magnificent, like, I don't know. And it's so big. It's really hard to comprehend. So in my case, I like to have that little cheat sheet. I know yeah. most of the time kind of see what we can interpret still, like if we still got it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But I get it. I get it cut from the naive, like standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little hit history about the island. So I didn't go. So I just looked up stuff for this episode. <laughs> but the original meaning for all your fun facts, the original meaning of the, the name of the island has been lost, actually. But okay. it's, it's known for being the gathering place for Hawaiian island kings and chiefs. So Oahu uh, was the first of the Hawaiian islands cited by Captain James Cook of the Royal Navy in 1778. But we know his ultimate fate. That dude was <laughs> a dick to the Hawaiians. Yeah, man. As many were and still are. Yeah. But so back to the, just the, your story. Yeah. I, I mean, so there's 80 kilometers of sandy shoreline there and there's soft sands made of fossilized and modern coral sponge and mollusk fragments, clear blue, pristine waters as expected. They're found around the entire Island and they have aquatic characters that are basically you're finding Nemo cast. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you know, fish of every shape and color. I want you to look up lying gunnered. Okay. I saw one of these and it was really weird to see up close. We also saw an eel and sea turtles and sea urchins that were like the size of a volleyball. Man. It was, and it was like, I'm really glad I didn't, you know. Imagine the echinoderm like sand dollar <laughs> if it was the size of a football. Like yeah. if, if you're, if we're sitting out at Benbrook and, and you just, see, and you saw this. Yeah. Dude, no, um, <laughs> we're gonna have to do an episode over eels. Okay. Did you yeah. know that they don't, they've never seen them have sex in real life. And then they are just, they just automatically like start getting bigger. Like they're, it's a weird what? story that we should look okay. into. Let's do it. Yeah. So just in case that we have some non-geologists listening in right now, we want to reiterate that the, the Hawaiian chain was and is still being formed by a hot spot, right? So like, yeah. uh, so we have the Mauna Loa, which is a shield volcano on the main island. That's which? the active, but it's like, it's being what? So the, the Kilauea, it's the, that fissure and that offshoot of yeah. it, right? So that's kind of, and then there's actually a new island mm-hmm. that hasn't really surfaced. So it's, it's still a seamount. Sea also what you mentioned, Mauna Loa <laughs> is the tallest mountain on earth. I know it's the largest volcano on earth. Well, it's so from base to summit, it's larger than Everest. Oh yeah. Cause if you go down below yeah. sea level, yeah. yeah Cause it goes all the way down. 
down. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. So, um, and I think that one that's erupting in Hawaii, not Hawaii, Iceland, the one that's continuously erupting, yeah. if it continues erupting, it's gonna, like it's, it's going to become a shield volcano. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, for your fun facts. <laughs> okay, so immediately upon descending into Oahu, I noticed two major mountain ranges. They had a prominent ridge curving away from one another, okay, with smaller limb ridges running roughly perpendicular to the main ridge line. And I thought, well, you know, obviously it's Hawaii. I know they're volcanic islands. I feel like I'm looking at at least two big volcanoes of some kind. I didn't I didn't really look up or know what yeah. kind. However, if I didn't have that aerial view, I wouldn't have seen that clearly. So kind of what you were talking about, like you see this these large mountains. Yeah. How just, do you put them together? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Jurassic Var- Jurassic Farp. Vars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jurassic Park vibes, they're they're pretty distracting. Yeah, I mean, rawr, dude, rawr. dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Grant. Yeah, dude, so <laughs> when I first read that, I thought, like, we had a guest, and I was like, oh, fuck, and I started reading this, I was like, oh, no, you said Jurassic Park, Dr. Yeah. Grant, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I feel like the 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 Dionychus, Dionychus, Dionychus. Yeah, I well, I feel like the Dionychus was a, a little more severe than that. So, <laughs> anyways, Brian, you bring up the the good point. So let's let's talk about these brief observations and weigh in with kind of some of this published mapping. So like you you went in, and you're just like, man, what are these? So it's kind of yeah. good to you, we can give your personal insight into walking around and using your geology brain versus, you know, just taking someone's word for it from an article standpoint. So as the experts say, Oahu consists of two main shield volcanoes, right? So these Mm -hmm. are these long, broad volcanoes. They're not steep like your composites, right? With which uh, gobs of parasitic vents. And then these mountain ranges you spoke of, they they turn out that they are actually remnants of two massive shield volcanoes. So the the rangers were formed because our good friend's erosion became the dominant geological process after the active volcanoes extinguished on the island. Yeah. And so those two ranges, they would be the Wanai, Wan, I don't know how to say it. So Wanai, Wanai. Um, and then the Kulau in the east. And I hiked to the Kulau range and I, I got to tell you, hiking muddy soil formed on basalts is really challenging when you're up in the clouds. Yeah. Um, but there's there's an erosional unconformity between the two lavas and you'll find this on the Kauka Nahua Gulch. And then also you would find a chasm or a chasm, if you will, at the <laughs> eastern base of the Waianae range where the, the, the basalt flows dip from the, I'm, I didn't go, but from reading from the about 10 to 15 degrees northeastward and overlain by lavas from the younger, the Kulau range dipping five degrees northwestward. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive a little deeper into the Waianae. All right. So I say, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. So there was this dude this. from a long time ago, McDonald. I guess one might say old McDonald. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and on this farm in 1940, subdivided the Wanai range into three members based on structural criteria. The lower member is comprised of thin flows and then associated pyroclastics. They're going to be the main mass. Okay, just the- so, so pyroclastics are just the fire yeah. fragments. So it's whenever it... <laughs> erupts violently. So they're the main mass of the shield volcano and they, the dip ranges are four to 14 degrees for these deposits. The middle members almost entirely formed by the tholeitic composition. Right. So that, um, but we also mentioned that that's like the early stages. Yes. Of, yeah, right. And that's a good point. So then as you go up uh, in elevation and in, within that bed, you 
you're going to see near that upper contact with the uppermost member, there are the alkali basalts. Right on, yeah. The upper member is principally Hawaiiite with minor alkali olivine basalts and only one post-erosional phase eruption has, has been documented in the range and that's going to be a small olivine basalt flow on alluvium that accumulated in a deep, deep stream cut valley. And then again, that alluvium is just the... With, is that going to be, see, that could be from river, but it's also what the, that, that. Any stream flow runoff. But it's, it's also the alluvial fans, right? So like whenever you're yeah. at the edge of the mountains where you have all right. that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. May they, people may not know, but I know. You know. Yeah. So the, the, the west portion of the volcano has basically been removed since due to that erosion. So, which gives a look into the shallow interior, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And then uh, they've distinguished three rift zones that are marked by a plethora of of dikes. And those are the discordant plutons that cut across the layers. And then we have two principal rifts trending from northwest and south southeast from the, the summit of the volcano. And the caldera, it extends from the Coco Coli Pass on the west to the northern side of the Makaha Valley on the north and the head of the Nakana Coulee Valley in the south. The lavas that are present in the caldera, they're massive, thick, and they're basically horizontal. There's some spillage on the western rim. Um, there you'll see a differentiation that's evident because there's a rhyodacite lava there and it's interbedded with the caldera filling basalts and so this instance is the most differentiated tholeitic lava known out of all the Hawaiian islands. Yeah so like everything in my head like right it's kind of um, when we when we thought of uh, Easter Island which was a hot spot right so but a different yeah. it's the different end of this mm -hmm. but what I think is surprising about that is the the rhyo in there so it means it's been like it's, it's been, evolved and yeah. it's just been sitting and it's become, you know, it was allowed to melt, re like have partial melting and get that's usually you melt basalt, you get a form of rhyolite in yeah, some way. But yeah. it it would stand a reason it would go to like andesite, andesitic, right? And then it would become more, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. I think it depends on the degree of partial melting. Yeah, and, and that's when it gets in all, I call it fuckery. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. so anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the the Kulau Shield volcano, the the one that left a monster range that, that Brian hiked is unlike all of the other Hawaiian uh, volcanoes. So it's basically absent of alkali flows. So a, a plagioclase fear basalt with a plage phenocryst up to 2.5 centimeters long found in the Moana Lao Valley is slightly alkalic, but doesn't count, I guess. <laughs> I want to say from the, the reading about this that the, the thing that the, the Kulau volcano just reached actually the stage of transition from tholeitic to actually the alkalitic composition lavas when the, the volcano activity stopped. Yeah, and the, the volcano consists almost totally of tholeitic basalt lavas erupted from vents along fissure zones. And like one of them is prominent and extends over 40 kilometers in length. Flow thickness averages about three meters. Tough beds, they're going to be rare because they account for less than 0.1% of the whole mass of the volcano. Man. So yeah, so then really the, the sequence of the lava is truly uniform. So there's no apparent break in deposition. Mm -hmm. And then the systematic variation has not been evident in the petrographic analysis from various samples collected all over the volcano. Really, the, the tholeites are almost identical to other Hawaiian island tholeites in their plagioclase and olivine compositions. Erosion deeply incised the volcano, exposing rift zones that are heavily cut by swarms of dike complexes. I'll just say that like locally, there are up to 360 dikes that outcrop per kilometer. It's quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. And if you, if you travel to Oahu, you can see these along the Pali Highway near Castle Junction. So also want to point out the major rift zones. They trend similarly to the Wainai 
volcano uh, rifts. And then the the the, vol- the the caldera of the Kulau was about 13 kilometers long and 6.5 kilometers wide, which, right, that's a caldera, a caldera is anything greater than one kilometer. So that's a massive uh, <laughs> vent. Uh, so researchers determined that seismic velocity is up to 7.0 kilometers per second for rocks at depths of three kilometers, which these rocks are interpreted as plutonic bodies ranging from about six kilometers across. And the caldero, it also houses rocks that have been extensively altered by hydrothermal activity. And you'll find these secondary minerals and mineraloids that will be um, chlorite, different clays, uh, opal, chalcedony, quartz, epidotes, and various zeolites. Zeolites. But yeah, so an extensive period of erosion followed that end of volcanic activity. And then um, you'll see that the eastern flank of the volcano was removed and valleys over 600 meters were cut. That made for some pretty creepy hikes. I'll tell you what. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I read that they made weird noises. Oh, yeah? Did I read that? I read that wrong. <laughs> like the blowing caves or lava tube caves? Did you go into lava tubes? I didn't. Oh, no. okay. That's sad, didn't it? What else? Well, um, so we'll briefly talk about the end of Oahu okay. uh, volcanics. And that'll be the Honolulu volcanic series. This may have been my favorite part. So 40, yeah, 40 separate volcanic eruptions er- interrupted the era of erosion, as you'll call it. So, so you said, what, 40 eruptions? So there was erosion and then you had 40 subsequent erosions yeah. since that unconformity? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So these were <clears throat> extremely violent, which you can see from the, the large tuff cones on the southeastern side of the island that have their tops just completely... <laughs> Yeah. blown off. So the, the most famous of those being the, the diamond head. Yeah, yeah. We went in that crater. It was Did really you? cool. Yeah. Is that what one of those samples are from? Uh, yeah, the tough sample and with the, the, with uh, the olivine in it. Um, Yeah, so we, we do have the, I think it's probably a lurzolite xenolith, but then there was the, oh yeah, this is actually the bedded tough. Okay. And so it, it was really cool to drive the shoreline at the base. And I was like, wow, there's some weird, like almost crossbed looking things here. Like what, why would I see that? It was actually all bedded tufts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you're able to see like the flow direction at the time of the like smaller eruptions. But so the composition of these late stage lavas, they were, they range from the alkalic olivine basalts to milliite nephilinites. And they're going to contain mafic and ultra mafic xenoliths like the one I just talked to you about. Yeah. And they're, they're probably representative fragments of the under underlying crust and upper mantle. Yeah, and I, and I think that's probably pretty spot on. I like the most that that tough with the olivine, yeah. the olivine, but you can see the contact. Yeah, yeah. So of the xenolith, like... It's really cool. And so, yeah, the, I'll point out the xenoliths near the caldera, they were more of the dunite, um, but then there were still the minor lurzolites. Just like the do not mind if I do. <laughs> that's right. Other things, I didn't see these, but apparently there's reports of garnet-bearing xenoliths, so this is definitely upper mantle rocks. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because you have as your like peridotites and lurzolites in particular, you'll you'll have your plage and then your garnet and your spinel, right? Yeah. Or is it the other way around? Is garnet at the, I can't, no, spinel would be the I deepest, think after right? That, yeah. Yeah. But so you'll see some of those in some of the tough cones in Oahu, but they're not reported from the other Hawaiian island. Dude, yeah, no, man, I'm jealous. Like I, I, I want to go to Hawaii now. You should. Yeah. How long was oh. the air flight out there? Long? Total like nine From hours. California? No. It's only, um, I think it was like five hours from California and then three or two California and then like three or four hours to Honolulu from California. Okay. So it was a lot shorter than yeah. getting to California. Yeah. 
So in April, I'm going to Cal- I'm going to San Francisco or San Jose, and then going up to Seattle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going for hockey, not geology. Oh. Well, maybe you'll do something. Uh, it's it's just <laughs> such like, a yeah. it's it's like a, we fly in, go to the game, go to sleep, wake up, go. Then we got to fly to Seattle. We go. Uh, we fly to LAX, then to Seattle because it's faster. Yeah. For some reason. I know. But anyways, yeah. So that'll be fun. I like I might go to the Puget Sound. Just go look uh, at the. Yeah. At least I'll go pick up some beach samples because it's different beach you oh, know yeah. the sediments but anyways so that was i think that was a lot of fun i think it was informative i think so yeah we, 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 we covered were, a lot but it, it was rock talk yeah if I, yeah you know <laughs> i know there was that one season where it was just like sedimentary rock because you're doing something in yeah <laughs> like that yeah i like this a lot more than sedimentology absolutely and all of that so i say let's do a little bit of I always get lost and I'm like playing yeah. with it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> so yeah. So speaking of that song, well, yeah, it's, you, it's been busy for, we kind of briefly touched at it the bit, the yeah, beginning, yeah. but uh, go into it a little more. So I was at the recording studio last weekend. Yeah. I want to hear all about it. And you had a show. Yeah. I had two shows. I think since well, yeah. the last time we, yeah. Yeah, we talked. I went to the, the first one. You did. But I didn't get to go to the, the last the, one. Yeah. The last one. And then, so yeah. So the, we went to SoundCloud studios and it was a little bit different we we tracked as like a, a live band like okay kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. that's how we did it so i don't even know what i'm trying to say it was a good experience and i feel like each time that we do stuff like this as a band i don't want to admit this out loud but <laughs> if we would have stayed as a just like in the practice space not doing anything like yeah. i don't like my it was just playing the same like five six songs not being very productive i was like man i can't i don't know if i could do this much longer yeah, yeah. you know it was, it was getting to that point where i'm like man i'm too old to do this but doing stuff like this it kind of like i don't know brings kind of like this kind of new I don't know, you're building those bonds and it's like everyone's in it and we're, you know, yeah. working. it feels like more that we're working towards something rather than just like, well, we have this practice space. Yeah, you're working towards sharing the creation. Yeah. You know, and it's, and in that recording in itself is just another part of the creation. It's, it's really, it can be very stressful, but at the end you're like, wow, you know. See, I wonder, I have, that. I have very, 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 very rough cuts and I don't know how it would sound on this or how much they would appreciate it, but I don't know. I could cut it. Yeah. Let me see here if I got to find it again. I got to scroll up a lot. That is a lot. This is band talk. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. We talk a lot. Let's see if this, if I do the Bluetooth, this one's called gasoline. Play. I do the, I do the thingy. <laughs> okay. All right. I won't do that again. Thank you. 
So it's not, none of it's mixed right now. Yeah. Flowers bloom but smell like gasoline. This ground is warm to the touch, I can feel it. Breathe like a heart that beats. A caustic reminder of burning dreams. If I died right here, it wouldn't be the first time. That's that song. Yeah. That's the one where it does the sweet picks where dude, it took me so oh, long. Oh, that's to... right. Yeah. I that's so those. cool. That sounds awesome. Does it? Yeah. I feel like I always screw that up so bad. Yeah, when he when he mixes it, it's gonna be awesome. Um, she did she do any harmonies vocal wise? No. Like, um, so we have that. We have the actual like wave file, so we can layer okay. it and put in some like I don't know if we're gonna do like synthy stuff to put. Kind of like that song has it. I'll just do just a little bit of. We'll see what you think of uh, this. We're not do the intro because I don't know how it's gonna sound. Just see what you think of. We'll just do a little bit of this one. Frequencies will get cleaned up. 
Did um did your other guitarist like some parts you're playing solos? Did he double his tracks? Uh, or are y'all gonna go back and do that? Uh, so yeah, he recorded on two different. I think they were uh, distorted channels. Like so, just two amps on the and end they of just this, mic'd them both. And they just mic'd them both. Okay, that's good. And then I yeah. uh, I know I went back and double did, did the dig it Yeah. But this one is the I like this one where it's uh But with the 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 breakdown. I don't know if it's it's all breakdown though, I feel like. Her vocals sound great. I so that was like the thing that turned out like the best. Yeah. It's like they were very They're spot on. Tell them to put this one. This one was the better take of it. Yeah. This more. Yeah, I like that. But wait for it. How did you like the Marshall DSL? Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Dude, like, so there's the two-amp dude. It was, like, punchy, but then, like, so my amp right now, like, it, whenever I press pedals, like, it doesn't really, yeah. you can't really, <clears throat> it doesn't do much, but on that amp, I was like, that's what my pedals are supposed to sound like. Yeah. I, I had to, like, <clears throat> redo, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, fuck, like, I don't, it's, like, too much now, but it, dude, it was sweet. Yeah. Like, especially on the clean channels for... I didn't think about that amp. Actually, that would be a really good one for you. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> then it, you can actually, like, do something in the back for... To change it to 50 watts, like, yeah. per channel. Oh, no. Yeah, I think this is the only... The last one. I'll just do the, the end. This is my favorite song. Were you all in the same room? No, we okay. with the 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 guitars. I mean, the drums and the bass were, but then the next day is when like we went and did the guitars separately. Oh, okay. And then this, then Jamie did it like last. Yeah. Okay. But like when we recorded the bass and drums, we were all in the, the same room. Okay. <clears throat> But right there, I mean, like, it's going to be quiet. But I want it to be kind of more aggressive than just, like... Yeah. And you can automate it to... Yeah. But she fucking kills it, like, during this part. Hold on. It's the... Opera. Your tongue, your mouth away before I 
Dude, that's sick. Dude, that yeah. I love that one. It's so good. The the opera. Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. Like as soon as she started singing, she's like the 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 guy recording is like, you do know like that is by far your most talented musician in your band. We're like, dude, we there's no denying <laughs> yeah. any of that. Like yeah. at all. Like duh. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good thing if your singer is. Because yeah. very often it's not. Yeah, that's not <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of I feel like it 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 doesn't matter. Like it like when we played a show this past weekend, like it was loud as fuck. But yeah. like whenever she started doing that opera part, dude, she was just like above everybody. Yeah. And it was like oh, every you could just hear as soon as they did that, you could hear like they're like yeah, woo. And then after Afterwards, yeah. like every time, like I don't, I don't know, and like sets, so like when, like there's an I, like a loud cheer in the middle of a song, and it's when she's done doing that opera yeah. part because I think nobody expects it and no. how good it is, yeah. Like because I, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of singers are usually like kind of like the weak point no, of the band. It's pro. It's she's a professional singer. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, but that's how it goes. We can pretend cheers since we're out. I yeah, we are out. But. So, but hey, man. Until we do it next time, let us be the first to remind all of you out there to be cool. Stay tuned. And keep, keep it, it on, on the, the rocks. rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be some good super cuts on this one, oh, man. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was, I, can't, I was crying. I can't believe Dude, I was that. so crying. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, no, no. <laughs> I made it seem like you had the phone. <laughs> so hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that was so awesome. Get it. Get it. To the moon. Fug. Fug. <laughs> yes. FG. The, what? Uh, the, the, yeah. Okay. So, um. <laughs> Like an igneous. Okay. Nearly all 90, nearly 90%. Ha ha. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Um, 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 uh, 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 uh,
um uh my penis worm uh, a f- uh, I, <laughs> I deleted something. 